Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. I guess, Mason, out of interesting coincidence, you and I have both chosen Spanish whites for this week. And very out of character for me because I almost never choose white. Yeah, that is true. I, I was actually really surprised to hear that you had picked a white and then... I wasn't surprised to hear it was a Spanish, mm-hmm. so I'll go with that. Well, I took another another class with Elizabeth from Wine for Normal People. Mm-hmm. I really like her classes, and I'm trying to kind of push my boundaries a little bit with wine in general. Mm-hmm. And this one, the the title of this class was uh, Unusual Whites from Around the World. It probably would have been better titled Unusual Whites from Europe because they were all Europe. <laughs> um, but but they but they all were very unusual whites and whites that I had not heard of. Something that I thought was really interesting about the class, mm-hmm. almost almost all of well, I would say three out of the five whites were only locally consumed or nearly extinct, and the only reason that they came back was because there's a, an American market for them, <laughs> it, which is interesting. And she said this is a very common trend with unusual grape varietals is that. The Europeans, they get into their zone or whatever, and they drink their, their wines, and mm-hmm. these kind of smaller, obscure grapes just sort of start going away, and then the Americans showed up on the scene, and we're a big market, and mm-hmm. we want weird shit, so... Well, I, I think it's also, like, you know, it's that entrenchment of, like, the the way I kind of see it is the European calcification because of the purity laws and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Where, like, they're forced into these obscure things and it limits the ability to make money. Yeah. So they don't explore those. But then, like, I, I you know, this is one of those ones I'd really like to see, like, a geneticist of wines talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, especially this kind of topic because, like, you know, the Georgians, the, you know, the Greeks where, like, I'm sure the Greeks have bizarre stuff all over Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Just because of... The islands, they're very old, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. So, like, I wonder if a lot of these actually came close to going extinct or it's just like, yeah, no, no, no. They just weren't there in France or Spain anymore. And it's it's not that, you know, everybody thinks they were. But then you, like, you know, come around the corner and, like, you know, Georgia and those countries and it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is the same varietal. It's like, um, man, the the high-end alcoholic um, one out of Lodi. Oh, Zinfandel, yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, this really came from this area. Right. Nowhere near where anyone else thought it'd come from. Well, you know, like, you know, yeah. You show up there and it's like, oh, the, this is the origin of Zin. Yeah, and there are some interesting stories about that, too, is that uh, Carmenier, for example, which is very famous for being Chilean, went mm-hmm. pretty much went extinct in Europe. And they thought in Chile that they were growing, I think they thought they were growing Malbec. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until genetic testing of grapes came along that they went, oh, this is the this is a long-lost Carmenere. And it kind of interestingly ties into Texas is that the Carmenere was was brought to Texas, but it didn't do mm-hmm. it didn't do well here. And so they end up selling them to some people who are going down to Chile, some of the some of the cuttings, and they brought them down there and that's just the, what they started planting there, but they uh, with the understanding that it was Malbec I, th- I think Malbec. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. It might be Merlot that they thought they were planning. But it, I mean, if they thought they were planning Merlot and it tasted like that, I, I think that's kind of crazy. But um, well, I could you know, I could see it, it tasting like Malbec. It, it does have a similarity, but mm-hmm. Merlot is so much more delicate than Carmenere. 
Yeah. So real quick, talking about, um, you know, something tasting like something different. Um, you know, Kroger has the kind of clear out, like, the, you know, I always get the discount wine there. Well, during the summers, like, they'll do this kind of last chance on the wines, and they're usually not their normal clear out, which is, you know, like, oh, we've got five bottles of this left, and we can't get this vintage anymore. We'll just clear this one out. It's like everything they couldn't clear out. Mm-hmm. So one of them actually had, like, a wine that was specifically grown from young vines where, and as the winemaker said, the terroir hadn't been fully established yet Okay, in the, the vines. And that was part of the, the thing for it. Mm. So, you know, to make terroir that much more confusing, now it's like, yeah, and we're purposely trying to keep it out of the wine. Oh, interesting, yeah. To see something different. Like, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Well, and, and, then, or you, and then you get on the exact opposite of that is one of the Greek whites that I had are grown on vines that are sometimes 500 years old. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the one I had are that old, but it, but they were talking about it. They also grow their their wine uh, or their grapes in a different uh, style. So they, they have uh, basket vines. Mm-hmm. So the, the vines are grown in like kind of, it looks like a basket that you, we, that you would weave. They grow them that way to help protect against wind. Um, hmm. And it, it's very unusual looking. It's very strange. And... Um, but some of these vines are, at least the root portion of it, are 500 years old. Yeah. Very unusual. If, yeah. I wonder if this basket mm-hmm. style could be useful in, like, Texas. Well, there, that, that's interesting that you mentioned that because there are a couple of growers who are going to try. There's two different styles that they're thinking about trying here in Texas. One is the basket and as mm-hmm. a way to try to protect against hail. Mm-hmm. And... And wind. I mean, we do have wind here as well. The, oh yeah. The other when I was there, it was eighty miles an hour. <laughs> right. The other the other one that they're tr- that they're thinking about is um, is called goblet style. So you know, like you normally you'll see these vines like on trellises, they go up and they kind of like really spread out. Mm-hmm. And that's the French style for growing. Or you know, actually, I think it's all all of Europe grows it in in that. Well, not all of Europe, but very large portions of it. And that is to try to maximize sun exposure. Mm-hmm. When you get to some place like you know Mount Davis region, for example, it is we are people don't realize this, but we're much much further south than Europe, and yeah. so we get a lot more direct sunlight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you when you think about like Washington, um, Columbia Valley, Washington is basically on the same parallel as Bordeaux. I think I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's the thirty eighth parallel or something like that. Is is yeah, around there. Yeah. And and Willamette Valley is around there as well. Um, but so, but now down here in, in Texas, and then Mount Davis AVA is even lower than Dallas. You you're getting very direct sunlight, much closer to the equator. And so, when you're growing these European grape varietals, you don't want to stretch them out and give them lots of sun exposure. You want to limit the sun exposure. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying this goblet style, so it, it's more like growing it in like a pillar. So then you have just kind of like a pillar. It's like the, the, it looks sort of like a little tree instead of being all stretched out like a grapevine. So they'll grow it up straight. And mm-hmm. then that gives, you know, that limits sun exposure because it's not, it's not stretched out. And then you yeah. just kind of clip along the edges and keep it contained. And then the other, and then the basket style, which is also limiting to sun exposure because you can also angle the baskets in different directions by mm-hmm. training, by training the vines to, to look in a different way and, um, try to train it to grow interior to the basket or, or some of it exterior, but try to protect the fruit by training the fruit to grow interior and things like that. So it's a, it's very interesting and you, and there's a lot of techniques. And so actually that's one of the things I wanted to talk to Ricky about when I have him finally on the show and I keep, I keep dropping the ball on that and not contacting him, but, um, <laughs> is, is he's, he's in Mount Davis, he's planning to 
grow his slightly differently. He's not going to have them on these long trellises and, and stretched out across a wire. They're all going to be in a pillar, kind of like on, mm-hmm. on goblet style. And that should help with wind, and it should also help with sun exposure. And hopefully, maybe maybe that will help with hail. I don't know. Yeah. Well, if it's... Yeah, I think that would help with hail in general. Because, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if the hail's coming in sideways. That might cause some issues. Mm-hmm. So, now... That all being said, all very fun. What are you drinking tonight, Jake? Okay, let's see if I can if I can pronounce it. Uh, better you than me. <laughs> so it's I think it's Ulasia Getarriaco. I know how to pronounce this next one because I have it written down. It's Chacolina. It's spelled T X A K O L I N A. It's it's pronounced Chacolina. Mm-hmm. Bianco. It's a 2016. Uh, it is said it do, it is you know nation of origin Spain, but it is from Basque country, so it is a different culture, a different group of people, different language than Spanish, um, and there are Basque people also in France, so it's it's sort mm-hmm. of a cross border, sort of a sub country in Spain slash France. Um, yeah. It's eleven percent alcohol by volume. At Total Wine, I got this. I got it at Total Wine. It's nineteen dollars a bottle, but I I bought six. Um, Bottles of wine. I, I usually mm-hmm. don't buy one bottle of wine. I usually buy in whatever the discount amount is. Uh, so I bought six of the whatever the sh- the buy and share or whatever thing is, and you get ten percent off. So it ended up being seventeen oh nine for me. Mm-hmm. It is a really really interesting white wine. Very different than uh, I would than most white wines. So it is platinum in color. It is it is very very pale. Very like it does have a little tiny bit of color, but it's super pale. S- mm. Smells a lot like pear. Uh, what's interesting about this style is that it's carbonated. Oh. Uh, it's not sparkling carbonated, so it's not a strong carbonation, but it has a little mm-hmm. bit of carbonation. It's very, very crisp, and part of that's the carbonation, but it's also very citrusy. Uh, it is a little bit more minerally than your typical white. So mm-hmm. you, you – and actually, in the class I took, these wines very often have a briny flavor. Uh, this one does not. It has – it ha- tastes a little bit like slate kind of. It's got a little bit of that like sort of chalky slatiness in it. But uh, mm-hmm. mostly it's it's citrus and 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 very floral, um, very very light bodied. It, it almost feels like nothing on your tongue, and um, obviously no tannins because they're they're not fermented on the skins or the vine. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it is really interesting. Uh, I don't I can't really compare it to another white. Um, maybe because it's so citrusy, it may be Sauvignon Blanc, but well, it's not the same. It's 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 a very different wine. It's very interesting, and then. As you and I were talking about before the show, uh, there's only really two places where they drink this. They drink it in mm-hmm. in Basque country and in America, <laughs> and and something something like ninety five percent of their exports or whatever are to the United States for mm-hmm. for this particular wine. I'll give a little bit of uh, in- information on the region. So the the region is Chacolina, and the grape that is in that is used for this it's eighty five percent. I'm going to do my best to say this. It's uh, Hondarabi Zuri, and it is their their white wine or their white grape. Um, it has other names too, but uh, I think it's actually it might be. I think it's actually Petit Mensang. Now that I'm looking at my notes, I think it's all. I think it's also called Petit Mensang. Just in Basque country, it's called Hondarabi Zuri. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lot of like. I I don't want to read. Elizabeth's notes verbatim because this is her her notes and and you know our listeners didn't pay for the class 
So, but basically, it's uh, a very historical wine. It's been grown there at least since the Middle Ages, probably longer. Uh, it has a lot of influence from the Atlantic Ocean. It does get it does get a lot of those. Do you remember that um, Bordeaux that we had, the uh, Haut Medoc or Haut Medoc, however you say it, that had kind of that kelpiness? Or was I the only one that had the kelpie one? You're the only one who had the kelpie. Okay, I think it was. I think mine was a 2014, and then you and I both got the 2015, and the, and the 2014 yeah. had that kind of sea taste. I imagine that's what she's talking about when she says it's briny, is that mm. it's kind of got that kelp taste, because that's what I expl- I described to her, and she was like, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. Uh, so they they do have a couple of different regions here. The the um, Getarriaco Chocolina is a sub-region of this. Um, so the DO, for our listeners, is it's a regulatory body. It's sort of like our AVAs. It's... Um, it stands for Denomination de Origin Origines, so you know something of the origin. Yeah, yeah, like the the domain of origin or whatever. But I can't really say it, so uh, yeah. it's it's Spanish. <laughs> you can look it up, or I'll, maybe I'll put it in the show notes. But it, mm-hmm. it is they do grow red in this region, but it it's mostly it's eighty five percent of what they grow is for whites, and apparently the Basque this is what they drink every day. Uh, it is very low alcohol, eleven percent alcohol by volume. So I could mm-hmm. I could totally see you know people waking up and drinking this with breakfast. And I was talking to Jackson Blood a little bit about it because I I mentioned to him that I liked it a lot, and he was like, "Oh yeah, if if you go there, they just that's what they drink all day long, and wow. it's because it's low alcohol and it's very refreshing and it's hot there, so mm-hmm. it makes sense that they that they would drink it." So. That's what I'm drinking tonight. I recommend people try it. it there was only two of this, of Chocolina in um, Total Wine. So it, mm-hmm. it may not be the easiest thing to get everywhere, but it's definitely worth tracking down just because it's very interesting. Especially if you like whites, it's it's a very unusual white, and it's but it's incredibly refreshing. I could I could see just hanging out. You know, Victoria and I yesterday were down at the pool. It, it's funny because today it's storming, and yesterday it was very mm-hmm. bright and sunny, and we were just sitting next to the pool, you know, getting a little bit of sun. And I could totally see just sitting by the pool in the evening and just sipping on this. Uh, it's it's definitely so, it's definitely like a warm weather sipper. Will this be your summer go to white wine? Well. I don't really drink white wine, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I like it a lot. And so, you know what? We're going to be doing, you know, plug for Childeberg. We're going to be doing kind of a little our libertarian group around here get together. I might mm-hmm. I might pick up a bottle or two of this and bring it to that just because it's it's very refreshing. It doesn't have to be super cold. Uh, they I can't remember what she recommended serving it at, but like it says online that you can serve it at like sixty seven degrees, which is not very cold at all. No, not not for a white. Yeah. So uh, I, it. It's and also the the really if you guys I, I don't if you guys are interested in a class take some of Elizabeth's class the production on of this wine is also super interesting and I don't want to get into it here too because I don't know that much about it I just I learned about it from the class but they have like a whole method of like spraying the top with nitrogen and it's like fermented at near freezing temperatures it, it's really really unusual the way that they do this you, you need to post a link to her like class schedule yeah or something. I, I did i did i on thursday i posted i'll put it in the notes also but on thursday i put it up on twitter that i was taking this class this was a super mm-hmm. super interesting class because we yeah. we did five whites all of them were whites that you've probably never heard of and mm. it was i mean obviously i've heard of petite men sang um but i can't really tell from my notes if this is i think oh no no I, okay i'm mistaken this is not petite men sang so this is its own grape it's it's a it's a basque grape but they also plant petite men sang and so this mm. is, so it can be blended with that. Mm-hmm. So, but this one is eighty five percent 
Hondarabi, Zuri, and I don't know what the rest of the blend is because that's the only thing it says. So yeah, uh, but look it up. It's also in kind of a cool bottle. It's like a, it's like a really oddly. It looks actually very small, but it says it's 750 milliliters. But it looks like a very small bottle, and it's very long and green. It almost looks like a Perrier bottle. Yeah, the when when I looked at the bottle on uh, Total Wine, it honestly looked like a like a what's it called? Like um like what you would see, you know those uh, lemon juice. Yeah. Oh yeah. The yeah. But it looked like somebody took that and used that as inspiration to make their um, hard lemonade. Yeah. Bottle. Right. That's what it looked like. Yeah. It, it's very interesting. It is. It is interesting. It's got. It's got yeah. kind of a cool little logo on it too. It's like a ship with a whale underneath it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like it a lot. I, I I would recommend getting this. I know you like whites a lot better than I do. If you because it's cheap, if you uh, can pick up a bottle at Total Wine, I don't know if yours has it or not, but uh, I would recommend just trying it just because it's interesting. Yeah. Now, what I will say is that we had several. We had one. I think it was a Pinot Grigio yeah. that we had, mm-hmm. um, and it had a flavor like that. Okay. It. We remember. It, we both thought it had like a slight carbonation to it, very citrusy pear. You know, mm. so this sounded a lot. Then now there are other parts of it didn't, but a lot of it sounded like it was actually. Um, like this uh, Riesling that we had. <laughs> so, yeah, that's very possible. So this is one of the things that Elizabeth was saying is that uh, – so this class only had about five people in it. It was a very mm-hmm. small class for her classes. And she said for some reason, unless she's doing um, Pinot Grigio or Riesling, people don't care about whites. <laughs> and Which is interesting to me because from from knowing you and from knowing Jackson – both of you kind of think whites are more accessible. Mm-hmm. I, I was very, very biased against whites because I thought they all tasted like oak chardonnay, mm-hmm. and which is not my favorite thing. And uh, until really taking her classes, and it, well, it, it was it was her classes helped open me up a little bit. It was mostly trying the stuff that you brought to the show when we lived in the same place. It was mm-hmm. it was you would bring Riesling and Pinot Grigio. I, I already knew that I liked um, Sauvignon Blanc pretty well. Mm-hmm. Particularly the very grassy ones, but these. But we both didn't care that much for the silver fern. Yeah, it was just Grigio yeah, that was very grassy. Yeah, and actually, I think you and I have talked about this off air. Uh, that same the same company that does that one from New Zealand, mm-hmm. they make a very very good Pinot Noir. Yeah, um, very peppery. Well, for Pinot, very peppery, uh, and just but a lot of a lot of. Uh, I, I don't want to get into that because that's not what we're, what we're reviewing tonight. But <laughs> no. but it's a good one, yeah. and you can go on to Tasting Anarchy's Instagram and see a picture of it with Foxy. Mm-hmm. So th- there's that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are you sipping on tonight? So I also have a Spanish white. Um, now I have a Spanish white of a variety that neither one of us necessarily know that much about. Um, so it's got two different names. So there's Macibo or Macabo, mm-hmm. M-A-C-A-B-E-O, hmm. or Viura, V-I-V-I-U-R-A. So it's a white grape. It's the predominant white grape in Roja. Which, now, do, you, not, do you know which part of Rioja? Uh, you know, Wikipedia, okay. not that in-depth. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so I, I just, yeah. I'm just kind of curious about it because I think that, so our article tonight, which we'll get into later, is, mm-hmm. is specifically about Rioja Alavesa. Yeah. 
And so, this is grown in that part of Rioja as well. So I, well, I don't I think know. It's grown in all oh, of Rioja. all of it. Okay. I think like for Rioja, like when they do white blends, mm-hmm. this is the grape they use. Got so, it. Like, okay. I don't think you know. I don't think that this isn't the full grape in the Rioja whites, but like this is the the predominant blend grape. Mm, okay. Um, so this one is the Cendros, uh white wine it's probably a 2017 um i got it as part of my splash total wines uh, thing i got for my birthday back in january mm-hmm. um it is also very light in color um i think one of the things that you described yours is like it's almost like there's nothing on the tongue yeah this one is more viscous okay but it doesn't leave a lot behind so it's got some acidity to it it's not super acidic um which is pretty good in my opinion mm-hmm. they the description online has like green apple in it. I could see where somebody would get green apple, but it's not a heavy green apple to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's one of those ones where I'm not disappointed I'm drinking it and I'm not like going like, oh, they shouldn't have put it in this pack. Yeah. But I would have taken like a an off off sweet Riesling or like a Pinot Grige over this. Yeah. Um, just because I like that acidity punch mm-hmm. and those kind of citrus fruit flavors up more. This, you know, green apple, like I really do like green apples, mm-hmm. but I like the acidity of um, citrus fruits better. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what, you know, when you're describing yours, I'm like, dang, <laughs> like, yeah. I wish I had that I one. Think, I, think you would li- I think you would like mine. Now, one thing I noticed about yours is also pretty low alcohol, 12%. Yeah, 12%. Um, you know, but it's one of those ones where, like, again, it's not a bad wine. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see it. it's supposedly out of Valencia. Um, you know, so it's one of those, I think it's a contract-produced wine um, based on the back label. Uh, what's really great about a lot of these splash wines is their labels are usually pretty good. Yeah. Like, so it's got the, you know who produced it you could go to their website um it's got the importer and it's got their website but it's got the valencia sticker with the the you know provenance numbering and all that stuff that valencia does a lot of a lot of spanish wines do that as i'm sure you know and like portugal does it too yeah they've got like a sticker and stuff what you know we've talked about on the show kind of like hey why have this when you could you know have these um cool other yeah. ways of kind yeah, of these like holographic stickers in- yeah yeah, tools of indicating quality mm-hmm. and things like that. Why do you need a like the state on top of that? So now, like, not only do you have all that, now you've got a sticker. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Now, of course, you know, knowing us, if um, it was an anarchist world, we'd have our own sticker and we'd be trying to sell it to wineries and you know winemakers, like the tasting anarchy approved, <laughs> you know, wine. Actually, you know what? We should maybe do that anyways, mm-hmm. even even without a. Uh... I don't know. I don't know how that would work. We should we should try to do that. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> well, for the, for the Texas wine bar. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, when I get that going, tasting Texas yeah. or whatever we we'll yeah, call it. Right. Um, you know, that would be kind of the idea. Is like, hey, these are Texas approved wines. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, another thing about yours that I also noticed, and something I forgot to mention about mine is apparently this is the case with many whites. Is that with with reds, the older the better for the most mm-hmm. for the most part. With whites, the younger the better. Usually, yeah, not not always. always better, yeah, but but yeah, you know, they give it like you need it to have a little bit of bottle age, but not a lot. So for for mine, the Chocolina, mm-hmm. they suggest not drinking it older than 2017. Oh wow! And this is a 2016. So I, oh. I I wouldn't say that I was disappointed in that, but one of the things that Elizabeth was saying about that is that maybe some of those flavors that are unusual mellow out after 
being in the bottle for that long. So she actually recommended I get a 2018, but they just didn't have any near me. So that's something to keep in mind about whites. Yours is a 2017, so a little bit newer than mine. That's that's what I think it is. Okay. Um, oh, okay. The, on the back, it's got a winemaker sticker and it's got a, a printed note. But this, like a lot of the splash wines, mm-hmm. they don't. They just don't say a they, year. The yeah, the year isn't necessarily important. Okay. So so um, mine mine also, and this is this is often typical, is that they don't often declare vintage unless it's like a really good vintage. But mm-hmm. with white wines, it's a very different situation. So with mine, it it is stamped on the bottle, twenty sixteen. It also does say it kind of on the side here. It says uh, Coseca 2016, which mm-hmm. I think that would be the same as Circa 2016. I think so. But um, I don't speak Spanish, so I'm not sure. I should ask Antonio when I get to work. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's stamped on here that it's 2016, and I don't know if that's because of U.S. regulation or if it's just how, if it's just helpful. But uh, Well, if it's, if it's mainly for U.S. production... Yeah, that might be it. Right, and and you know what I mean. Yeah. Like they might they might label it specifically because you know people in the United States care. Yeah, and they do care, and also for for this like if I you know if I hadn't taken this class and or I hadn't listened to this this episode of Tasting Anarchy, um, I would if I was to look at two and they had a 2018 and 2017 and 2016. If I was to look at three bottles, I guess um, mm-hmm. I would have always gone for the 2016 because knowing reds the older the better most most yeah. of the time not always but most of the time unless i knew yeah, in, I mean, unless like, i knew it was can, a particularly good year yeah it's like oh crap i bought the 2018 and or the not the 2018 but like the 2014 and that was the off year yeah. that's why there's so many of them available right well you know like if i was given if i was given a choice between the Madoc 2015 and 2014 i would go with 2014 not mm-hmm. not because it's older but because it's a better year uh, like yeah. 2014 was a fantastic year for bordeaux and I only happen to know that because I have tried a lot of them and read a whole bunch on Bordeaux. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, for and then I think Jackson told us that I think too. I think so too. Yeah, and and I actually think Elizabeth said it in the Bordeaux class I took with her. And mm-hmm. the now for our our audience, this is mostly an audience of people who are not really you know I wouldn't say experts in wine, people who are just kind of interested in it a little bit. That's not something I would expect anybody to know, and I'm not sure there should be some sort of market mechanism to let people know that. And mm-hmm. and I think maybe the market mechanism to let people know what a good year and what a bad year is is specialty wine shops. It's tasting anarchy. Yeah, tasting anarchy, <laughs> uh, or you know, wine for normal people, which I think is a good mm-hmm. one. You know, hers is a little bit more. I keep hearing like a door slamming behind me or something, but um, it sounds like. It's it to me. It sounds like you're putting your glass down too hard. I, I haven't touched my glass. I think it's a door. But that, that's what I'm saying. That's what it sounds <laughs> yeah. like. I keep hearing it. Like it sounds like somebody slamming a door or something. But um, I don't know. Foxy's over there having the time of her life. Well, I put her thunder shirt on because she's she's afraid of thunder and lightning. Oh, poor Fox. Yeah. Uh, it, it it doesn't work all the way, but she is better with the thunder shirt shirt on than without it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Side note to everybody: if if you have a dog that's afraid of thunder and lightning. Thunder shirts, they they kind of work. Um, it says that. What if you say it again? No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, they according to their website, it works eighty five percent of the time for dogs, mm-hmm. or eighty five percent of dogs. Yeah. For Foxy, it seems like it works eighty five percent of the time for her. So she's still she's still very nervous, but um, she's better. You know, she's. What if your dog's terrified of flies? <laughs> I uh, well, isn't he terrified of the noise that comes with swatting flies? Uh, he's just terrified when the fly gets in the house. He just goes hides under the bed because he knows something's gonna happen. Okay, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Back, back to back to wine. Um, 
and not cute dogs. Yeah, one thing. Yeah, our mystery noises. Well, and actually, you know what? We're going to be featuring Henry in the near future. Oh. On Instagram, if I can get you to take a picture of it, because I would like you to. You and I are going to be doing some reviews of Texas wines. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like you to get a picture of your bottle with Henry for each one of those, so that we can kind of showcase Henry as well on the on best. the Instagram. Uh, Foxy's afraid of wine bottles, so even though I take a lot of pictures of her with wine bottles, she doesn't like it. <laughs> so, um, but here I thought Foxy was the briefest dog ever. No, she she hates wine wine bottles. Like she's always like, Ugh, "Why are you putting this next to me?" But it's like I'll try to get her while she's, she's sleeping, or or like or like incentivize her with treats. She says, Papa's a drunk jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it turns out Foxy's a genius and she's just conning you for the treats. <laughs> I, honestly, I wouldn't put it past her. She, she does. She's really good at manipulation and <laughs> she's just good at manipulating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But kind of going back again, back to wine and mm. away from cute dogs. Um, so the, there's, there's a new wine, a new wine bar near my house. And mm-hmm. then the old wine bar that I, I go to sometimes, which is over by the hookah bar. Cause Victoria likes hookah. I don't, I don't smoke hookah, and, but, but it's in a really good Middle Eastern restaurant. So mm-hmm. I can get some really good Middle Eastern food and they'll serve. This is, you know, this is actually great, a great way to talk about weird regulation for a moment. Mm-hmm. I can get the food from the hookah bar and the hookah over at the wine bar, but I can't get a glass of wine from the wine bar and bring it over to the hookah place. <laughs> and they're next door to each other. The only division is a crack on the sidewalk. And, Huh. So, so what we always have to do is we have to go into the hookah place and say, "Hey, we want hookah and we want to order stuff. Can you bring it over to this table over here at the wine bar?" And then we have, to, and then it, it usually makes our service worse because they're not covering those tables, mm-hmm. and you know they have to replace the coals in hookah every so often. So, yeah. um, so Victoria will you know relax and we'll you know most of the time we bring our tablet and we'll watch a movie while we're hanging out, and so mm-hmm. she'll smoke hookah. I'll drink more wine than I probably should. And we'll eat Mediterranean food, or or we'll go down to the pizza place that's that's a, another couple of stores over and get a pizza. And um, but there's just a weird uh, this weird regulation that the the hookah place, even though they have a liquor license and a wine license, or well, just liquor license, I guess for all alcohol, they have they have that license. They can't. They're they are allowed to bring their non-alcoholic things over to the wine bar side. So Victoria mm-hmm. wanted she wanted her she wanted hookah and she wanted a mixed drink. But mm-hmm. because of where it was, they couldn't bring the mixed drink to her. And for me to have wine, we couldn't do both. So we ended up having to move the table across the line and put her on the side of the hookah bar and me on the side of the wine bar. <laughs> it, it was so ridiculous. And yeah. it's just one of those kind of things where it's like, okay, what what does two feet make a difference? But the hook, the guy who owns the hookah bar, well, the Mediterranean restaurant, it's called Babouche. Shout out to Babouche. Um, the guy who owns that, like he's terrified that the – Texas ABC will come down on him, and yeah. and the wine bar the same thing. They're terrified that the Texas ABC will come down on them. And we've had really really good weather in, in Dallas lately, so it's been really great weather to just kind of hang out outside and uh, and just kind of chill out. So I've been and they and they also oh man they had they had, well we'll we'll get into this too because we're going to go into Rioja a little bit. They had these really good Riojas on draft on well not on draft. How, what do you what do you say that when it's a wine that's on the that's for tasting um, by bottle. I wasn't or by, by the bottle, by glass. Yeah, no, no, by by glass. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, they had these really good Riojas. They had three of them available, and so and all of them were good. And I actually have um, 
I don't have the same one that they have, but I have a similar one that I'm not going to review, but I'm going to talk about it when we get into a news article. But it's kind of one of those weird things where it's like there. this is an additional barrier to businesses where they have to kind of police – they have to police their customers when there is the opportunity for somebody who wants to go to the wine bar but doesn't necessarily want hookah and vice versa – and they have an opportunity to both sell, but it makes it additionally complicated. Now, I'm pretty relaxed, so I don't really care that much if there's a little bit of extra effort. And I'm and I'm totally fine with just moving the table over, you know, five mm-hmm. five feet. But for some people, they'd just be like, "No, I'm not going to do this." Well, some people wouldn't assume they could do that. Oh well, yeah. I so mean, like, that maybe that's my anarchist spirit, where I'm just like, "Well, what if I do this?" And they're like, "No." And then I'm like, "Well, what if I do this?" And they're like, "Well, okay, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> Well, it's like, you know, you saying like, oh, we bring the tablet and watch a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And we're there for like three hours. So that would never occur to me. Uh But I also have a two year old. So that's true. Yeah. So we we don't have kids yet. And and we we, well, we do this at like the all you can eat sushi places, too. And they hate it because we'll be there for like three hours watching a movie and eating all you can eat sushi, but very, very slowly. (laughs) (laughs) So. Like, I'll go through, like, 80 million Diet Cokes or – well, actually, we're in Texas, so I'll go through, like, 80 million Diet Dr. Peppers and uh, and then, like, 20 plates or whatever of the sushi-type items, but it's over the course of three hours because <laughs> I'm, I'm there – I'm watching a movie. Like, we watched, we watched most of The Matrix at, uh, at Babouche while, <laughs> while I was drinking wine and while Victoria was smoking her hookah. So, I don't know. Interesting thing. Do you want to get into the news article now or do you got a comment? Yeah, let's get into the news article. Okay, so this is this is relevant to both what you and I were talking about and that is that – well, I think it's, it's relevant to that. It's also relevant to regulation on wine and relevant to one of the comments you made earlier where you were talking about how they kind of have um, – I don't want to say draconian, but they have very strict regulations on – there, but I will. Okay, all right. Well, very well. The joke, draconian. So there is a lot of very difficult regulation surrounding wine and their um, their region of origin, what we would call AVAs. So for, for the sake of me, you know, saving my attempt to pronounce things, I'm just going to call them AVAs, um, even though it, yeah. I guess it would be EVA, European Viticultural Area, but they're equivalent of that. So mm-hmm. the article is from Forbes. It is called uh, Rioja Alavesa Going Its Own Way. And it is by uh, Michael Williams or either Michael or Michelle Williams. Michelle. Michelle. Okay, Michelle Williams. So for everybody who's listening, if you're not super familiar with Rioja, that's fine. Um, I was not that familiar with it other than I knew that I really liked their reds until recently. And they actually have three subregions, but you'll never see these subregions on the bottles because they are all – well, it's not that you won't see them. It won't be labeled that way. So yeah. um, there's uh, Rioja Alavesa, there's Rioja Alta, and there's Rioja Baja. And these are the three – three, and, and also Rioja basically means the river Oja. So it, mm. yeah, so there's a river there called the Oja, and that is what Rioja means. So – oh. Um, so anyways, there, uh, the classification system for Rioja only labels the wines so that you, um, you're, you're not likely, like I said, you're not likely to see these regions on the bottle. Some of them have it on the back or in very small print. And, and that's going to kind of lead me to the bottle that I have over here that I want to talk about a little bit. Um, so you won't really see that. So, um, a group of uh, growers and winemakers in Rioja Alavesa are working to change the system. And mm-hmm. what they want to do is basically break away from Rioja and just become Alavesa. So Alavesa 
has uh, a different type of soil. It is um, mostly limestone uh, and chalk, which is very mm. good for Tempranillo. You and me, big fans of Tempranillo. We are. Um, I have – well, I'll get into it. Let, let me finish summarizing the article and then I'll get into yeah. it. But um, so they also, because of the climate and the soil, they do – they space them apart a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And so it is. It's different than growing it in either Rioja Alta or Rioja Baja. It's it's a different method of doing it. Uh, so the the group believes that due to new technologies and new techniques, Rioja Alavesa is now producing much more distinct and high quality wines, and they should be recognized as a separate area. Um, they are pressuring the EU and Spain for a new DO, which is like I said, the equivalent of our AVA. Um, that would allow them to label their wines to reflect that they are a unique terroir of the Rioja Alavesa. Mm-hmm. Uh, the D, the the new Dio would or would just be Alavesa. It would not be Rioja. Um, so this would require cooperation from the current regulatory council uh, that represents Rioja and, and the EU and, and the EU and Bad and way. Spain and the Spanish federal government. So um, there is multiple layers of this and. Uh, the, the concern is that this will alter Rioja wine if Alavesa moves off, since Rioja uses grapes from all three subregions for the most part. Mm-hmm. So what they usually do is they will they'll get um, they'll get juice from all three. So one of the things that makes Rioja slightly different than a lot of other places is that the way that they um, not label, but the way that they kind of describe theirs is based off of. Um, how long it has been in the barrel, mm-hmm. which is is a little like so. Can you kind of can you imagine? I mean, we, we we do have a little bit of that in places like California because they'll say, "Oh, this has been in the barrel for twenty two months or whatever," or they'll tell you like you know, yeah, aged for the first eighteen months on mm-hmm. oak, right? Eighty percent new French, you know, twenty percent, ten percent this, ten percent mm-hmm. that, and then finished aged in you know steel or something yeah but but for rioja it's a little bit different they have different levels and the different level levels uh let me see if i can find them because i actually didn't put it in my notes but um okay here it is yeah so it it's listed by how long they spent on oak so it is the youngest is joven uh through cre crianza then it's reserva i i get mostly reserva Riojas because it's mm-hmm. usually the cheapest, and then they have uh, Grand Reserva, which is on oak for longer. So that's how they do their rating system is based on length of time on oak, which is is unusual. But the reason that they do it that way and not based on subregion or vineyard is because for the most part they buy the juice, the winemakers buy the juice, they mix it all together, and then they put it on oak, and that's how they mm-hmm. how they end up getting these different things. So when when you and I, Mason, would buy um, a California Cabernet Sauvignon, for example, from Napa, if it says reserve, that means it is a higher quality Cabernet Sauvignon, not because of how long it was on the grape on the on the um, oak, but because they selected the grapes in particular for that reserve. Mm-hmm. And that's how they do it here in Texas as well. Is you can get you can get like Becker's is is somebody who I think makes good Tempranillo here in in Texas. Uh, they have te- uh, they just have Tempranillo, and then they have Tempranillo Reserve, which is select grapes from select vineyards, and it is a higher quality than the regular Tempranillo. So it's mm-hmm. so in this case, they don't really consider what grapes you're being selected. They just consider how long it's on oak, and you have to kind of determine quality based on other things. 
Um, yeah. So anyway, so it would require cooperation from the existing regulatory agency to um, get them to to split off, and they they have their they have their concerns, and it makes sense. I understand their concerns. So uh, some of the people pushing for uh, some people in Rioja Alavesa are pushing for compromise. So they're thinking that maybe we can, instead of splitting off entirely from Rioja, we can maybe just call it Rioja Alavesa and still be part of Rioja. And then there's a lot of others who are saying, no, we need to split off entirely. And one of the criticisms of the uh, Dio Rioja by the anti-Rioja Rioja Alavesa growers and, and winemakers is that um, the Dio Rioja puts an emphasis on time on wood, like I was saying, instead of on terroir. And they think that their terroir reflects a, a higher quality than just time on oak. And and it, mm-hmm. and that kind of makes sense a little bit because they do – because it's not just technology and techniques. It is that they do spend a lot more time on their grapes because it's a little bit more difficult to grow there. And they do have to space it out and, and that sort of thing. So one of the things that they describe uh, Rioja Alavesa – is um, being more full-bodied, um, and I keep man, I, I always say um a lot. I always critique myself while we're doing these shows, Mason. <laughs> like it, it, it no, it, I, yeah. I know you're it, saying it, so. It, so it's a fuller body, it's a higher acidity than regular Rioja sub, and um, as such, they want it to be a subregion. Now, one thing that brings us back to my wine, and well, it, I mean, this ties into your wine too because it's a Rioja, is um. One of the things that's different about Rioja Alavesa is that it is not Spanish. It's Basque. Mm-hmm. And that puts another divider between these regions is although most of Basque country drinks uh, Chacolina-type whites, uh, they this part of Basque drinks Rioja reds mostly. And that differentiates them enough that they feel culturally separate as well as agriculturally separate and uh, terroir, their terroir is different as well. So that that's an interesting thing. So this kind of plays into a lot of things that you and I talk a lot about, and that's one is a regulation. Um, mm-hmm. One of that is, well, you know, we don't talk about this a huge amount, but, it, but we do touch on it once in a while, and that's culture. Uh, culture, although it's not something that's really tangible, it is something that matters in a lot of cases. Well, I think it like plays so much into the terroir concept. It does, yes. Is like culture and terroir are kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the culture of the wine is the terroir. I think that's a great way to describe it. Yeah, it is. It, it's it, it. Well, it definitely involves it for sure. So, um, so we have that. The, the, the and and sort of to that thing, the culture. Their their method for making Rioja in Alavesa is different. So they have a different technique, and I don't. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I can really describe it, but it has to do with they basically allow it to ferment in. They don't crush the grapes at first. They just allow it to ferment in the grapes on the vine, and then once it's fermented and has started producing wine, then they crush it. So it's they do it a different way, mm-hmm. and I, I could be totally butchering that method because it may be way more complicated than that. But that's my understanding is that it, it is a it's just a slightly different way of, of producing wine. And it produces – well, yeah, it's a, it's a very different way. The other thing that they talk about too is that they use a much higher percentage of Tempranillo in mm-hmm. Alavesa. And um, I believe that it's uh, – most Riojas are uh, Tempranillo and Grenache. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Alavesa, they use Tempranillo and they will make it slightly more acidic by adding Viura, Viura the, uh, the white wine. Uh, v, how do you say it? Viura? 
Viarora? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So, so the, the one I'm drinking. Yeah, exactly. So they, Which they isn't will, that acidic to me. Well, they will blend it with that to increase the acidity of the Tempranillo. And so, Jacob, yeah. should I save this, the less of the bottle that I have, and then try to blend it with the Texas Tempranillo that I have? That actually might be really interesting. Or terrible. <laughs> or terrible. <laughs> but it's it's a very small percentage. It's like less than 5% usually. Ah, so um, so that that is one of the things that they do to just try to well, – it's not even that they're trying to differentiate it. It's just a different – they have a different culture. Like their wine culture is different. And yeah, it is, so this it is, goes back at least the Middle Ages, probably older than that. Yeah. So this is the thing that is confusing and interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So Rioja makes a specific type of wine, mm-hmm. as you described it at the beginning. And I'm not saying you misled us. Right. So, But this is what's confusing is then we talk about Alavesa, and it's not like, oh, no, 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 we're 55% Tempranillo and 45% Ganache, and they're 50-50. Yeah. No. They're fermenting in the grape. Right. They're using a different combination. Mm-hmm. And the other people, it's kind of like, no, 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 we want all their qualities. But these guys are like, look, we're making something completely different. Why Why aren't they distinct? Like, this to me is kind of one of those things where it's like, mm-hmm. if you're all, so there's the two other regions are Alta, or Rioja mm-hmm. um, Alta and Rioja Baja. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were those two regions, like, I wouldn't want to be associated with Olivesa because they're doing something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So, to, you know, to me, it's like one of those things that's like, are the, you know, like there's the, I'm sure there's a lot of people in Alavesa who are just like, no, 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 we don't want to break off because they don't do it that way. Or maybe they're, you know, Spaniards that have bought and land in the area. Yeah. And they're growing in the traditional Rioja method, you know, they're doing the traditional Rioja methods mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it, it's kind of one of those things that's like, no, 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 you keep your cultural differences bottled into us, but we're not going to use each other. Because like... To me, it seems like a, such a, you know, and this is one of those things that, you know, you and I talk about and, and we don't know because we don't make wine is like each little different change you can do mm-hmm. to affect it. it. It's like when you're like, you know, making a pulled pork. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this time I use 10 teaspoons of black pepper as opposed to nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, like on a wine, that could be three years before you know mm-hmm. what it did. And so, you know, like. They, these people are doing completely different things. It's like, yeah. why would you, like, why would Alta or Baja want to be part of that? Because, like, I understand you lose the majesty or the majesty of the Rioja name. Yeah. But also, like, if Alaveze Al- Al- was like, no, 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 we're just going to make Tempranillos, like, 100%, maybe 95, you know, 5% something else, and then, you know, still label it as Tempranillo, kind of like the U.S. styles. Um, like, I could see, like, them going, like, no, 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 we'll still make Rioja, Rioja, but we're going to also, when we do something, you know, it's kind of like yeah. Super Duskins. Yeah. Like, when we're going to do something that is completely outside of the mold, like pure Tempranillo, we're going to call it Alavese. Mm-hmm. So that way, we're taking the the hit if it's bad. We're not putting Rioja's name on this. And if it's wonderful, maybe you guys try it. Yeah, well, and, you know, that's, that's, it, it is, it is kind of a weird thing. Now, so, one of the things that... I, don't, I, I I'm not sure how to talk about it exactly because it, it's such a foreign thing I think to you and me mm-hmm. I do sort of understand why they want to be together or, or well, no, why no, no, I, no. I, I, I understand why Rioja Alta and Rioja Baja want to still be together 
No, no, no. Yeah. I tot- like, here's the thing. Like, I'm betting Rioja, Baja, and Alta mm-hmm. do way different stuff, too. Yeah. I get that. So, like, as a marketing point, mm-hmm. you and I know what Rioja is. You go into the wine store and Jackson Blood's there and he's like, look, 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 man. I've been selling you Riojas for 10 years. Right. Alaveze, which I've told you about many times, mm-hmm. is a sub-region. They're doing their own thing, man. This is an Alaveze. I promise you. Same winemaker, you're going to love it. Yeah. You walk out the door with it. We don't know Jackson Blood. We're in Kroger. You see Alavese, and you're like, well, I want a Tempranillo. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get a Rioja because I know it's you know mainly Tempranillo. Right. I know what I'm going to get. You have no idea it's Alavese, Alta, or Baja. I get it. Like, right. Why you would want to be together. But you know, it's one of those things like how do they come together to begin with mm-hmm. if they're so different? Well, and that's that's part of like when the DO system or the DOC system started forming, even prior to the EU, that's how they started coming together. So this was just I, I wouldn't even say arbitrary exactly, but it's this is how they just end up being divided up. And it and it's sort of kind of like I mean this is this is the government getting involved, like always, is that mm-hmm. there was there was an enforcement mechanism from the government uh or some sort of regulatory body that is associated with the government that caused that they kind of cause these sort of happenstances of, of regions to be either grouped together or divided up more severely than they probably should have been divided up. So we actually we see the opposite of this happening in um, Bordeaux, where there's multiple subregions where they're just going like, no, we really shouldn't be multiple subregions. We kind of are producing the same thing, and it makes sense from a marketing standpoint for us to come together. And we and you and I've talked about this before. So this is one thing that I think. We can get into the libertarian stuff about this a little bit. Is that from a um, from like a libertarian standpoint, from the mm-hmm. the, the position of um, secession? So this is basically Rioja Alavesa separating from Rioja proper, and there is. I'm reading your your Skype messages, but <laughs> well, all right. So let yeah, me, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Before yeah. we get into the libertarian stuff, yeah, I was trying to find out more about Rioja Baja. Because, you know, the Baja Peninsula in, in yeah. uh, Mexico, I'm assuming Baja is the name comes from. So Yeah, lo- lower, Baja, lower, Baja. yeah. L- Baja means yeah. lower. So Baja California is lower California or, yeah, or sub-California so, or something like that. Yeah, Rioja Baja is actually the hottest and driest of the three winemaking areas of Rioja subregion, mm. mainly Mediterranean influences. Um, so Baja has gone through significant changes in the last few decades, historically Roja wine was a blend of all three regions, Alta, Alvese, and Baja. However, this practice stopped as warmer temperatures in Alta and Alvese meant that blending across the regions was no longer necessary as the grapes were able to reach higher levels of ripeness. Vineyards in Baja were repellent, replanted with Tempranillo and Granacha replacing um, Graciano, replacing Granacha as the dominant grape varietal. Mm -hmm. So that, you know... Oh, wait, wait, so Graciano and Granacha are not the same grape? No, they're not. Oh, I thought I thought that was just the Spanish the Spanish no, word no, no, no. for ganacha. Granacha is the Spanish word. This, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's 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 totally us. Yeah. So I saw I saw Graciano and I was like, that must just be that must just be the way that they say Granacha. <laughs> no, 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 Graciano. Well, you know, there is a Graciano. Um, now I'm really now that you and I are like kind of going on the web and stuff. This is one of the like the glories of the internet is that well so the wiki the wiki on Rioja yeah um, yeah Graciano is a, a separate well yeah separate well because if you go to the wiki for Graciano it, it, it says it's a separate one as well but they yeah. do have uh, like straight Graciano that is done in like a fortified style 
I I, mm. I kind of be, you know you know I've never done fortified wines on this. I I kind of am curious to do I that. I want to die. That yeah, that's kind of my problem too. Is I, I just don't think I would like it. But you know what? I didn't think I would like whites reach like out this. To Jackson. I, yeah, we should reach out to Jackson see if there's something in between that we can try. Uh, well, if they if they sell fortified in like the three fifty range, yeah, fifty mil, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think they, I think they do. I think often they 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 sell them in a much smaller bottles, so we might be able to get like a fortified to try it out. And just, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. One of the things I kind of wanted to go into about this a little bit too is I I did get a a Rioja from Last Bottle Wines, which is our quasi sponsor a little bit. It, you know, we do get a kickback if you guys go over to tastinganarchy dot com. Uh, and sign up for tasty or for last bottle wines through our link, mm-hmm. and then if you make an order, we get a kickback. You also get ten dollars off, so it's a really good deal for us. I get a yeah, and mm-hmm. go ahead, you go ahead. save like Jacob. You've got what seventy five wines at this point. Oh man, I've got. I don't even care to count anymore because it's 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 more. So I've got thirty six here. I've got an additional one, two, three, four, five, six, six times three. What's six times three? So 18. 18. So I got 36 plus 18 plus 20 something in the, in the cupboard. Plus all of these whites that I have open plus this red I have open. So more than I should have. And also because it's summertime in Texas and it's really hot, I've ordered more from last bottle wines that I, I probably shouldn't have. And, uh, I put it on these two, these two things don't follow. I know, and I put but I put it on I put it on hold so they won't ship it until fall because I didn't want to ship through the the heat. Oh wow, you can do that. Yeah, yep, yeah. That's one of the that's cool things. That's another plug for that. You can it, yeah. pause the wine. Yes, yep. Yeah, so you can buy it now Beautiful. and and put them on hold during the summer because you know you never know what the temperature in a UPS truck or whoever's delivering it is well, is going to be. Well, let's think about this real quick. And I'm not knocking last bottle. Yeah, they're in like the Central Valley, aren't they? No. No, they're in Napa. So uh, okay. So okay. so they they you. have they actually but they have multiple warehouses. So they have a they have a warehouse near Chicago. I think mm-hmm. they have a warehouse in Napa. I get most of mine from Napa because that's that's the the proximity to me. Um, and then there is one in either I think it's in D.C. I think the crowdfunded government guy would. Uh, dispute that since he drove down from Chicago for Childerberg. <laughs> okay, well that's true, yeah. But uh, but anyways, sort of back to the last bottle. They had mm-hmm. a Rioja. Why do you think that I purchased this Rioja? It's not because I love Rioja. There's another reason why. Well, that took the wind out of my sails because yeah. that's the main reason I think you'd buy any. Well, I, well, well, and, and uh, this was beyond this was beyond the time when I said I wasn't going to buy anymore. So <laughs> these are these are these were forty dollar bottles of Rioja. Normally eighty. Um, so it was a good deal. That was one thing. The other reason is, what is the nearest major city to where I grew up? The nearest major city, I think, if you consider Sacramento, exactly a major city. Yeah, Sacramento. Which you know, I just never know Sacramento's pop. Yeah, I, I think um, it's like so I think, I think so. it's three hundred thousand or something like that. It, it's not huge, but it's it's a major city. So I mean, it's the capital of California, right? Which right. Is the most popular. So, so this so particular this particular Rio Hot was called El Sacramento, and I and I use that to justify why I should purchase it. <laughs> Which is silly, but uh, silly is not the word for it, my friend. Right, right. Uh, but one of the things is interesting. If you pat, if you turn this bottle over, so first of all, this was a very good Rioja, very good mm-hmm. for thir- for. Now, this is the Rioja you wanted to talk about in relation, yes, to this. A- okay, and the, also the reason it's in relation. Hang on. Okay, sack is a half a mil. Oh, half. Oh, really? Five hundred thousand. 
Wow, yeah, wow. That's 2018. That's way bigger than I thought. I thought it was like 300. I think it's grown a lot since you left. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that makes sense. So the reason that I I, I'm, I connect this to it is, first of all, this was a very good Rioja. I'm not going to give a review to it t- today because I'm probably going to do a mini episode on this because I still have several bottles of it left. I, I think you should write a review instead of doing a mini. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll write a review. Very handsome bottle. A lot of good stuff about it. But the reason I bring it up for this is because it's a Rioja Alavesa. And it is mm-hmm. it is very different than some of the other Riojas I've had. Super, super right, good. Right, hang on. Yeah. You you tick you have another Rioja on the shelf, right? Somewhere? I've got I've got like four Riojas on the shelf. Okay. So have you had any of those? Yes. Okay. Which so nope, don't consider cost. Mm-hmm. Say I'm paying for all of mm-hmm. it. And I've just won the lottery. Okay. The cost is not a not a question. Okay. The Alavese that you've got in your hand, mm-hmm. one on the shelf. Uh, Which one would you choose? Okay, so uh, of the one that I have on the shelf, I would I would definitely choose the El Sacramento, the one I have in my hand. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very good. But this is not the one that I would choose overall, and I will tell you the one. Hold on. Give me just a second to look it up. Sure. Now, Jacob, are you looking it up in uh, – is it Vivino? Yes. So Vivino, I'm looking it up in Vivino because I have all of my wines there. So if anybody wants to go ahead and look up uh, Jacob Lindsay on Vivino, you can see what's in my cellar. And mm-hmm. and I am more than happy to do a review or review on the show. So either write a review or do a review on the show for anything that's in my cellar that you guys want me to try. There's a few exceptions because I do have some high-priced ones that I'm saving for when Mason comes to visit. Uh, mm-hmm. But – Overall, suckers. <laughs> overall, <laughs> if you see something in my in my uh, in my cellar, I am more than happy to do that on the next episode. So if you go over to Vivino, you sign up, and then you go look at my cellar, you'll be able to see what I've got. I've got I've got seventy plus bottles of wine in there, and um, now granted, a lot of them are duplicates. So mm-hmm. so I think I think I have about I have about forty unique bottles of wine because I I have so one of them one of the ones I gave you that we're probably going to review with Bird Arcus at some point is one of my new favorite wines. But I, I keep saying I'm going to get let, let me let me look this up real quick. <laughs> all right, all right. So let me let me talk to you folks okay. about some stuff. So you all know I'm not on any social media apparently. So I am on social media again um, on two places. I'm on Reddit. Uh, so if you go to Childer, you know, reddit.com slash r slash Childerberg, that's the, the subreddit we have going at the moment. We'll probably set up a Tasting Anarchy uh, subreddit too. Um, just kind of cross promote the style there. But, you know, so if you're seeing, you know, somebody M. Joseph, some numbers posting on the Childerberg, that's me. Uh, Jake, if you can't figure out who Jake is on Reddit, you're, you've got a problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you guys want to pop onto some Reddit, I'm also on Facebook. Uh, again, um, I'm on Facebook for business purposes, for my own personal stuff. However, if you guys need a website, you're interested in some hosting, you're interested in some SEO, if I do your website, you know, hit it up, um, you know, take a look. Uh, you can find me, Mason Joseph. Um, I'm the guy with a mustache, curly hair, um, yellow shirt at the moment. I'm sure I'll change that picture at some point. Uh, but, you know, if you do friend me on Facebook, let me know you're from Tasting Anarchy. 
if for some reason you are looking for a website and you do go through uh, my business, uh, you know, let me know if you guys are looking for a website, that sort of thing. Um, just let me know and definitely get you guys a discount for being Tasting Anarchy listeners. Um, we'll discuss prices once we understand what you guys are trying to do. Um, Jacob, we will be switching our hosting to yes. my service yep. at some point, mm-hmm. and uh, we may redo the websites through that at some point too, just for um, streamline streamlineness. Yeah, well, you know, and, you know, we're also going to be switching Childerberg probably over to that as well. So yeah, so um, you know, but also Childerberg.com, tastinganarchy.com. Mm-hmm. You can reach Jacob at tastinganarchy at gmail.com, which as soon as I remember how to get on the C panel, mm-hmm. I am getting rid of tastinganarchy at gmail.com. They will become Mason and Jake, or Mason at Tasting Anarchy and Jake at Tasting Anarchy. Yep. So um, at some point, we'll be replacing that. So just kind of know that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to see Twitter nonsense? Uh, Jake's the guy on Twitter, uh, Twitter, which is Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Um, so over there, you know, Jake is also on Facebook, but I'm not going to tell you, hey, go friend Jake on Facebook, but you can friend me on Facebook. You, know, you, you can friend me. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with people friending me on Facebook. I, I almost never use it, so... Uh, if you yeah, want to friend so. me, I will accept it. It it just may take a couple of days because I really I, yeah. I don't go check it very often. Yeah, I don't check mine very often in the same way. But you know, if you were at Childerberg and you're listening yeah. to to us because you you know met us at Childerberg and you know at that time, I promise I wasn't on Facebook. I literally, I mean, Jake, I mm-hmm. contemplate like I com- I friended you and my wife again on Facebook. Yeah, um, but. I did that like a day and a half after I reactivated right. it because I was working on the other stuff I was doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that sort of thing. Like, you know, I'm not super on the, the socials, but, you know, okay. if you are a texter and you are, you know, somebody I've met at Childerberg and you like to text, uh, I'm all about some texting. So let me know there. Yeah. Um, I think also, and Jake, ah, it's killing me because I could never get his Twitter handle right. Mm-hmm. The guy who was talking about Mumble. Oh, uh, Orthazar. Um, Orthazar. Yeah. Yeah. Or it, he's, he's, I think he's like Orthazar McNucum on Twitter. Yeah. So Orthazar, if for some reason you're listening to us, I hope you're still working on that Mumble idea because I've been selling it every place possible. And if you're not going to do it, we're going to do it. Yeah. So. You know, just let us know. Um, we would love to see that you're doing it because uh, there's definitely some of our friend podcasts who could use that. Yeah. Um, now, also, if you notice a difference in the quality of the sound of this episode, Jake and I are trying something different. If you don't notice this, effing dark Tom Woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, yeah we're going to try this. We're going to try recording separate tracks, and then I'll merge them later. And I think that... I think, Don't give our secrets away, damn it! No. Well, you know what? I, you know, <laughs> no, you know who, that's perfectly, perfectly legitimate. Well, you know who um, does this, and and I and I the reason you know you suggested this a while ago, and I was like, eh, it seems like too much work. And then I, me too. I think it sounds like too much work. Well, I talked to Mark Claire about it, and Mark was like, mm-hmm. you know what? It is a little bit more work, but it's not that much more, and it does improve mm-hmm. it a lot. Well, that's what I, I've been wondering about. How uh, uh, friends of this podcast, the Friends Against Government, you know, the mm-hmm. fags. I've been wondering how they do it. They always have a very clean sound. Yeah, and I'm not. Um, I'm not sure either because I talked to Bird because he's the one who does all the tech stuff for them. Yeah, he he just records it the same way I used to. He just he just I, has I, better quality. I don't I don't know what it is. I guess maybe maybe it, maybe it's, it's that fiber. Yeah, internet <laughs> exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I guess it's that fiber internet. But let, let's go ahead and get back to that. So. Okay, so I've got I've got three Rio, Riojas here that I, I'll talk about a little bit. 
Three. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I have three Riojas and a Tempranillo, a Spanish Tempranillo from a different region. I was going to say, might as well be Rioja. Rioja yeah. No, go ahead. So, okay, I got you. So, I've got, I've got uh, Lopez de Herida uh, Ton, Tondina Reserva. So, if you recall, we were talking about Reserva, Grand Reserva, and what that means. So, it means... And then the junior one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't get those usually. And I and they're all, well, also, they're also not yeah. really available in, in the United States very often. Usually, it's Reserva is what's available here. Um, mm-hmm. So, Lopez de Herida Tondina... Donia Reserva, T O N D O N I A. This is Tadonia. That's what I would guess is Tadonia. Okay, Tadonia. Okay. This I would say is the best Tempranillo, or I'm sorry, best Rioja available at a fair price. Well, I don't want to say fair either because it's not. It's I mean, not. You've got like two thousand dollars worth of wine right there. Exactly. So. Exactly. So this is a forty dollar bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. It is two thousand six. Very. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. They also now, is that a last bottle? No, this is I got okay. from Total Wine, and and Total Wine still has it too. So, hmm. um, very good. They also have a 2015, not not as good as the 2000. Uh, uh, this is 2006, so not as good as the 2006, but also very good. Their 2015, their 2015 is only twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. So if you have the funds to get this, maybe get six bottles because it's a mix six, so you get ten percent off. So if you get six bottles of this, maybe drink two, put four aside for later. This will probably turn out to be a really good one. Now the other one, I've done a review on the show for this Marquise de Rascal Rioja Reserva. Mm-hmm. They're 2012. Very good. I I have one right now on the rack. Very good. Very good. $10 at Kroger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The 2006, $20 at Kroger. Outstanding. Mm -hmm. If you guys have the money to get a $20 Rioja and you can find the 2006 of uh, Marquise de Rascal Rioja Reserva, deal of a lifetime. And it's not just me, some schmuck who doesn't really have any certifications or anything telling you this. Uh, Elizabeth at, at Wine for Normal People, when we, we did, I did a, uh, w- uh, wine of Spain from 10,000 feet. She did one where it's just basically she covers all the regions. Um, mm-hmm. she reviewed that and she agreed. She was like, this is actually a really good deal. She doesn't know why they're such a good deal, but, um, they, they just, for whatever reason, they are, they're not, they're just not expensive. And you can still get, you can still get the older ones for very, very inexpensive. Um, I, let me, let me do, hold on just a second, Mason. We may, we might cut out this pause, but probably not because I'm lazy. Well, while this pause (laughs) is going on, I heard a slam. And so as the listeners know, I have a daughter, she's asleep. We always record after she goes to bed on Sundays. So I hear a slam in the house and I'm like, oh, something's happening. Cause my wife is super serious about not waking up my daughter. Um, who sleeps much better now. My wife's just used to her not sleeping well. And then I see my life come flying. So, Jacob. Yeah. You know the room I record in. Yeah. The, 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 the tile the, room. The, yeah. yeah. With, the see-through, with the see-through door because it's got glass panels. Mm-hmm. I see my wife come sliding into the hallway that's, like, between the bathroom and the, the there and, like, slamming something on the ground. There's been a, a cockroach who's been... <laughs> Like, mm. taunting my wife, apparently, the last four days in a row. And, like, I think she apparently murdered it. But, unfortunately, I think to murder it, she used uh, one of my fact sheets from um, 
the my um, my other wine club, the gold medal wine club, yeah, ones, which are really nice productions. So it's <laughs> like, oh man, like Cockroach Dead. Like, yeah, I prefer you know my, both my wife and I are softies in this regard. Like, we'll generally throw them outside, you know, yeah. like, into the street, and you know, just like, hey, go live your life. There's a, an abandoned house on the corner. That's what we do. Go That's what we, what we do for spiders and stuff because like they're good to have around. And, and cockroaches yeah. are kind of gross, but like at the same time, I'm I wouldn't well, I, I wouldn't say I'm a pacifist, but like I, I just don't I don't like smashing bugs if I can catch I them. Kill, and throw I them kill out. all the ants I can find, and I don't yeah. throw the spiders out because Norfolk is infested with ants, so I leave those in there. Yeah, but yeah, so like you know, and then my dog Henry comes flying around the corner, like save me, save. Me. <laughs> all right, he's, he's sitting outside the door, kind of like looking at me, like you <laughs> son of a bitch, open this door. So I, I got the I got the last the last one. So, mm-hmm. this is Bodega Elias, 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 Elias Mora Descarte, 2014, 100% Tempranillo, really, really cool label. It's it's a it's a deck of playing cards with the ace showing, mm-hmm. uh, and it is 2014. Like I said, 15.5% alcohol by volume, so very high Ooh. acidity. Now, this is from the Appalachian Toro. Which is mm-hmm. south and west of Rioja? Isn't Toro bull? Uh, I think it is. I think it does mean. I, did, I think it does mean bull, um, or no. or something along those no, lines. That's what you tell a bull. Oh. Toro, Toro. Oh yeah. Um, Toro? I don't know what it means, but you look it up while I'm talking a little bit. <laughs> so, anyways, this is one of the best tempranillos I've ever had. It's a Spanish. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very good. So now I've given you guys, I think, total of four. So of the four, where do I pl- place what I wanted to talk about, which was uh, Rioja Alavesa, the El Sacramento, and Toro is a cowfish. Apparently. Oh, interesting. Okay, I don't know what a cowfish is. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know either. Duck, duck, going. Yeah, right. But El Sacramento. Oh, man, you would, so you would absolutely love this fish, my friend. Really? Yeah. Hang on. I'm going to see if I can send you. A- a link. This this is your type of fish. <laughs> like it's so funny looking, but in like that really cool way. <laughs> All right, let me let me look at this real quick. Oh, that is funny. That's that's a really interesting looking fish. <laughs> that's a proud looking. Yeah, fish. <laughs> send this to Michael Malice. He'd probably love it. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah. Probably, uh, you'd probably be like, I had 14 of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, they're poisonous. Yeah, they are cool. I ate all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they look, they look kind of like puffer fishes. Yeah. But uh, anyways, so of them, so where would I place uh, El Sacramento? And look, this thing is like I paid for um, for for the Bodega Elias uh, Mora Descate or whatever. Um Man, I, I wish I spoke other languages because this is, it's so hard for me to pronounce these. But it's um, so funny because you took Latin in this. I, I know exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's all. It's all. Well, you know. And, I, and but the thing is, we never had to pronounce anything in Latin. We all had. To, it was all writing because it's a dead language. So like our teacher was always like, "Well, we don't know how it was pronounced." So. <laughs> We just all you do is writing, but um. Mm-hmm. Anyways, El Sacramento, very different though. So the thing is, is like a lot of Tempranillos, they're they're very aggressive and rough, and and I appreciate that. I like it a lot, but yeah, there's there's a lack of refinement to Tempranillo that I think right. both you and I like. Yes, yes, and but the the El Sacramento, a very refined wine, um, mm-hmm. very the tannins are there. I, I don't want to give a review because I want to do a mini on this or a write up of it, but I think a write up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do a write-up. It is, it's very good. I still have three bottles of it left. 
because uh, <laughs> I bought four. And you got to age one of those. I, I should. I, I, maybe I'll put it aside, and you and I can have it next uh, at Childerberg Dose or something, or maybe or maybe <laughs> Childerberg. Dose Vendanias. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So this is a really interesting topic, I think, in general. Like you and I have done way over our normal time for this is that I honestly expected us to finish this episode really quickly because it was such a small article. But Spain Uh Spain is such an interesting wine region. And I'm – I would say I'm mildly obsessed with Spain because there are so many good things coming out of there and there's such a good value. Uh Uh, And even – now actually speaking of – you know, it's not going to be there when – this show airs, but if you go right now to Mason, if you go to Last Bottle of Wines right now, the current offer. Mm-hmm. Oh, never mind. It's it's back to the. Uh, dang it! There was a four hundred dollar bottle of Rioja on Last Bottle of Wine, marked down to one hundred thirty. I wish I had known. I might have picked that up. I, I thought about I, I thought about texting you because I was almost about to get it too, and I was like, <laughs> I, I need to resist because. Honestly, the the deal that they have right now is a, is it's a it's normally eighteen dollars. It's down for it's down to eleven dollars a bottle, but it's a um, it's a uh, Pinot Noir out of um, Rhone. Or oh no, I'm sorry. So it's, it's a it's a Rhone blend. So it's it's sixty percent Syrah, forty percent Grenache, uh, or Grenache, I guess would be the correct way. That of, sounds really good, dude. I I mean I. I like every single time I see this, I want it, and like it, it has come up several it, times. They have to be. A lot you know, of bottles so of it. Not to insult this, mm-hmm. but doesn't this look like standard grape jelly in a bottle? Oh, dude, like, like you, you have no idea. But I've been getting these thing, these types of things from them. Mm-hmm. These are all small producers. They are all vetted by Last Bottle Wines, and yeah, yeah. and even when they're in these kind of like cheesy looking bottles, I, I wouldn't even say cheesy. They're just kind of no. This, they is, look, a, this is a wonderful bottle. It's just it, it's very standard looking. It just it looks like Welch's grape. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like you took like Welch's grape juice and made a a wine bottle out of it. Like, right, it, it's so interesting. It it is interesting. I love it. They and they are the, the stuff that they're presenting on Last Bottle Wines. L- let me plug it one more time for you listeners. If you guys want really good deals on wines, this is eleven dollars a bottle. You can get free shipping if you order six bottles, which is still very cheap. Sixty six dollars. Plus, you get a ten dollars credit if you sign up with our link. Exactly. So, so, like you so get one of those bottles for a dollar. Yeah, exactly, a dollar. And every single bottle that they that they that I've gotten from them, and I would say that what what something like ninety percent of the bottles I have are from them right now. Unbelievably good. So actually, I've I've I finished this um, this Chocolina, and I have switched over to this uh, Dante, which you and I are going to review later. Mm-hmm. Eleven dollars a bottle, also with Bird Arcus. Hopefully. hopefully with Bird Arcus, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to him next week. This is a 2014. Um, this Dante, it's a claret, so it's it's a it's a um, Bordeaux style blend. So good for eleven dollars. I I like it so much. I'm worried that I'm going to drink all twelve bottles that I ordered before we get to doing the review because it, it, it is so good and it's so drinkable. It mm-hmm. goes with everything. It goes, well, Tempranillo goes great with hot dogs, but this goes good with hot dogs. This goes good with steak. This goes good with pork. This goes good with salad it, because well, it's light bodied. It's, it's, it goes good with everything. It's, it's such a diverse wine. It's so good. But you know me, like other than Gewurztraminer, like yeah. I'll drink pretty much any wine with any food, but I prefer the comp, the reverse combinations. Mm. 
That's now, true. Well, actually, let, let's let's go and close out. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Well, I, I want to close so, out with it. What would you recommend your wine? Well, I, I guess not close out, but what would you recommend your wine with? I would not recommend it with hot dogs. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that that's where I was going to say this wine. It's not acidic enough to take the taste of hot dogs out of your mouth. Okay. So when you would burp, and which I do a lot when I eat a lot of hot dogs, because, you know, when you, who eats one hot dog? <laughs> so, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I eat four or five whenever I make yeah. them. And, well, especially when I'm making them on the grill at Childerberg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh, man. Those like, were so good. Even Victoria ate, like, four of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was a day old. <laughs> so for those people who don't know, you get a grill. You get something you don't want to cook, but you want cooked, and I'm around. I will somehow end up cooking it doesn't matter if I've cooked it before or not. I'll end up cooking it. So uh, I have the Sen Thoros, which is a, is a, like, the, you remember how, like, the, the Sp- Spain didn't have the peso before the euro, but yeah. they had a very famous currency. This is, like, a 500-note currency, or yeah. coin, is kind of where the name comes from. Uh, Mabecchio, okay. or Vira, uh, is the other way, the other varietal, um, out of Valencia. So for me... This would give a weird undertaste to hot dogs. Okay. Um, but, you know what I did eat tonight? I did go to Mr. Shawarma's. Oh, shawarma. yeah, I love Mr. Shawarma. Very, very spicy shawarma with beef. Um, and then I had all the fixings that come with it at Mr. Shawarma, including abba, which is a fermented um, fermented mangoes, I think, mm. sauce I love. Um I would totally drink this with that because it's acidic enough to pull the heat off of your tongue. But when you would kind of have any burps or anything like that, it wouldn't, it would be a complimentary flavor to the, the shawarma. So mm-hmm. that makes I would sense. say shawarma, um, I would avoid most Italian, uh, tomato based foods with this one. Um, cause the acidity in a tomato would be just heartburny, mm-hmm. but not, but not like Pinot where it's like clearing the tomato. So you're retasting your food. That's one of the things that like, I don't think I've ever expressed very well in the show that I really enjoy about like acidic white wines mm-hmm. because they're, they usually don't coat the tongue like in a, like a tannic red wine. Yeah. And I know tannic and acidity difference on red wines. Believe me, people, I know Jacob's told me enough, um, <laughs> But what I like about the acidity in whites is it clears the taste. So, you know, like when you're eating something, it coats your tongue and it builds up on the tongue. So drinking like an acidic wine with it, strip that off of the tongue, and then you taste the food all over again. Yeah. And food tastes different when it's at a different temperature, when it's sit for a while. I mean, it's the same as wine. So I think that's what, one of the things I really enjoy about whites. And I think that's one of the things that, because you don't, you know, you can generally consume things like, I mean, eat my peas, my carrots, my steak, in that order. Peas, carrots, steak. I'm not saying that's the order you actually do, but like mm-hmm. you eat all the peas, you eat all the carrots, then you eat the steak. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much a steak. I'm very much a stage eater. So it's like, yeah. it's one, 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 one. Yeah, and, and I don't drink during it, so. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'll have a sip of the wine, clear my tongue, you know, pull all the fats off the steak, you know, so it, it changes the flavor of the food. And I think that's one of the things that, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the reasons you like red a lot is, like, red it has so much going on in the wine itself. Not that whites don't all the time. Yeah. They, you know, whites are generally kind of, at least in my opinion, something you generally more often pair with food. Yeah. Well, I think that... I, I would pair reds more often with food for me if if I ate differently. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I've am i been thinking about that a little bit lately is that maybe I should eat slightly differently is is maybe I should start trying to try it out. Like I, yesterday when I was doing these whites, um, I was having chips and salsa. So I had mm-hmm. I had uh, a sweet salsa, not a spicy salsa. So it was a sweet onion. <clears throat> Ooh. Certain ones were very good with that sweet onion. Certain ones were not yeah. good. 
So, like, th- anything that wasn't high acidity, in my opinion, right. probably wouldn't have been good with it. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? The, the ones that I liked with it, actually, this one I thought went well with it, but, uh, that's not what she recommends with it. She recommended, uh, what is ceviche? I, I don't, I'm not sure. What, I've heard it, but I don't know what it is. You take raw fish. Uh huh. You put it in an acid. And the chemical reaction of the acid in the fish cooks the fish. Okay, that makes sense. So she so. she recommends uh, ceviche with it, oysters, sushi, um, a light white fish, which is is the only fish that I really like. Is um, well, that's not true. I do. I, I do. Say you yeah, like tuna and salmon. I do like. I, I I liked exactly. I like tuna and salmon, but I, I like tilapia cooked, like tilapia fillet. Mm-hmm. Um, she suggests light salad with this. She suggests um, veggie dishes. She suggests. Uh, cheese and crackers. I, I eat. So I'm I, gonna eat beef bo- boy and young with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll you'll probably yeah you'll probably choose something like that with it. I mean, but she also this actually is what really spoke to me about you and your choice is that in Basque country they eat this with everything. Mm-hmm. So their thing is that they just consume it year round with all foods. So if you looked at Basque dishes, I'm sure there is a lot of very heavy dishes in Basque country. There's, mm-hmm. there, it is on the coast, so they probably do have a lot of fish dishes as well. But it goes inland quite a way, so I'm sure there's a lot of lamb. There's a lot of beef. There's probably a lot of venison. Um, I think I don't know. I don't know if there's a lot of venison. You don't that, think so in that area of Spain? I, I don't know because okay. it's um, it's also that southern Spanish or the southern the Pyrenees. Okay, the Pyrenees I think run through Basque country. Uh, I think you're right, so, actually, yeah. So, like, I would think deer, you know, mountains, I think deer, but, like, yeah. you know, coastal plain, Virginia, there's a lot of deer. That's true, yeah. So, I don't know. Well, well, I, well, it looks like, just a quick search of Basque Country, it looks like there's a lot of beef. Yeah. Uh, so, so, what would you drink? Or what would you eat? I would, uh, I think that, I think that sushi, so, the thing is, I don't, I don't like sushi unless it's just plain fish and rice. No, 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 no. So, no, no, no. Set aside what anyone else has mm-hmm. suggested. I tell you, I've got that wine. Mm-hmm. I got the best one you're ever going to have. Yeah. All you got to do is cook. And you're not taking into my food preferences. Right. Because you're just not going to make cheese. Well, even if you were going to make a cheese, mm-hmm. what would you eat with it? What I would eat probably with it would be... Let me think here. So I'm trying to kind of remove all my biases based on what other people are suggesting. But honestly, what I would I would 100% probably recommend with this would be pork. A- mm-hmm. And there's – I don't have a good reason for it, but like a very thin slice of pork with it. Um, it's not super acidic, so like you're not really stripping the fat and stuff with it. But um, Super thin thing of pork, you're not going to get a lot of fat in it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking – I'm thinking I'm thinking like ground pork, maybe 50-50 ground pork with beef mix um, for – Either patties or for some sort of mix in with like uh, like a salsa, like a sweet salsa. So you get okay. you get like the fitty okay. the fitty fitty pork and beef mix in with a sweet salsa. You get some blue corn chips. I love blue corn chips. You get some blue corn okay, chips yeah. with it. You get this. I think that's like perfect poolside food. And this is a perfect poolside wine. Yeah, I think the I think the high acidity though, like with the like a sweet salsa, mm-hmm. like you because that's one of the things about sweet is it lingers. Yeah, it's one of the things that like like so like a, a kind of like a heroin addict with sweet, you you take you chase the 
the, that experience of sweet. Yeah, yeah. And if you have a high acidity wine, especially one that's not particularly sweet on top of the acidity. Yeah. Because, you know, you can get some noir, or not noirs, but like Grigio Rieslings that are sweet and acidic. Uh, well, less Grigios, but mm-hmm. more Rieslings. Right. But when you pull the acidity off, you don't need as many bites because you're getting the sweetness all again. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I think that's one. I think that's one of the things that, like, especially for you, if you're eating a sweet onion uh, salsa, which is a little different than like a sugar salsa. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It, it is. It, it is. It's like it's a caramelized onion, so it's a little bit yeah. sweeter. Um, you can get it for anybody who who lives near Kroger. You can get the sweet onion salsa at Kroger. It's very good. It's usually in the refrigerated section where the salsa is, which is closer to like where the deli is. We used, mm-hmm. we used to get it in Virginia too, so it's, it's available where you are. We like we like the Kroger brand salsa. It's not Kroger brand, but it's one of those brands that is only at Kroger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kind of it, it looks like it's like the organic, but it's not organic. It's just the Kroger, <laughs> the Kroger brand. But that's what I'm, but that's what I'm saying is like yeah. because of the, the acidity in it. Yeah. You're because you're not a super big sweet person. Right. So you're, you're eating something that's not a traditional sweet with an acidity that's pulling that sweetness off your tongue. Exactly, yeah. So, I think that's a good yeah, – it's yeah. a good match. It's, 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 not a, it's not bad at all. Um, not typically what I would go with most – you know, I associate heavy red Riojas with um, Spain, but this is, this is different. This is Basque country, and Basque country has a different culture, different cuisine. So mm-hmm. uh, I would encourage everybody to check that out, but I think that's probably a good place for us to end because we are way, way over time. I think we're at a good time. <laughs> I think we're at a good mix of our our yeah. standard our standard episode. I do have trying to talk. I do have do. one thing yeah. I want to plug at the end of this episode, and yeah, that is look everybody. One of the things that people talk about, and Mason and I, we don't talk about this a lot, and it's because I don't know if it's because we're humble or if it's because we're bad at promoting our own stuff, but. Reviews really help the show. So if you yes. if you can go out and look at a review, or if you can go onto iTunes or Stitcher or whoever, review Basically, it. So we're on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's right. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. Wherever you listen to this show, what is it? Twenty minutes at the max. Yeah. If you had to log in, you didn't remember your password, didn't know how to do a review, any of that stuff. Let us know. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Exactly. Let us know. And here's the deal. If you review it, if you email tastinganarchy at gmail.com with a, a screenshot of your review, I'll send you a Childeberg koozie. Yeah. Uh, I've got a limited edition. Exactly. Limited edition. Once Childeberg 1 koozies are gone, they're gone. I do have some left. Not not a huge amount left, but I have some. Uh, so if you have a review and you want to leave it, I'll send you a Childeberg koozie. It's, you know... Nobody else will have it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to see what it is, there's plenty of pictures. I'm sure on Twitter, people yes. who add the koozie. Yeah, um, you know, you can follow the hashtag Twitter. Uh, not Twitter, not the hashtag <laughs> Twitter. That'd be an interesting Twitter right. hashtag. But the hashtag Childerberg. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, you do that. That's great. So go ahead. Look, you don't even have to do a five star. We're not. Yeah, we're I don't. Not, I don't. I don't yeah, exactly. I don't care what it is. I just want to review. Zero star review. Bird Archist hasn't had. You know, complaining he hasn't been on. We'll send you one, Bird. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got he's got one and a t shirt coming. So he, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then I want to start the rivalry with Bird for some reason. <laughs> I guess we're punching up a little bit. So the other, the other thing yes. too is um, you heard me talk about it several times is wine for normal people. It's a great podcast if you're if you're ready to graduate to a little bit more sophistication in wine. 
Wine and f- a lot more dedication to talking about wine. Exactly, yes. So, <laughs> Wine for Normal People, very, very, very dedicated show. A lot of really good information. Elizabeth is a sommelier. She knows so much about wine. Is she actually a sommelier? She is. Know. Yep, yep, she is. And she is very, very intelligent. Also, very approachable. Very approachable. Very, like, and here's the thing, like, Jacob has been talking about wine for normal people to me forever. And I took a class with him over this, the winter. And I, I'll admit, I was drunk when it started, <laughs> got even more drunk when, before, but like I was expecting her to be so pretentious. And she's not. No. She's just amazing. And especially if you take one of the classes, she's very interactive. She's very patient. Mm-hmm. She answers the question and not in like a, like even it's a, when it was a dumb question and like, no offense, Jacob, you asked some questions where I was kind of like trying to tell you how to answer the question, ask the question better. Right. But I realized I was, I wasn't typing because I was drunk. <laughs> like, it's like, he just doesn't know how to ask the question. <laughs> like if I'd been sitting here, I could ask the question he's trying to ask. I know him. But right. Like, you know, she she's very approachable and, and very, very knowledgeable. It's like Jackson. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, you know, just loads of knowledge and wants to share it and not in like the way where you're like, oh, so now I get a $150 bill? <laughs> like, right. No, like wants to share that knowledge and wants to to yeah, really help out there. Yeah. So. I mean, the classes are pretty cheap. I think it's like 45 bucks for two people. Uh, yeah, thirty-five for one. I think forty-five for two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you if you can get a group of people together, uh, well, two people together, it's forty-five. But if you get a group of people together, it's it's pretty cheap to add additional. You have to talk to Elizabeth about mm-hmm. it. But the classes are Which really cool. To, like if you're gonna have four people attending a class, she'll cut. Like I'm not saying she'll cut you a deal, deal, but like she is just so happy that people are wanting to take the class. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, she'll work with mm-hmm. you in some way. Yeah. And she she has some good classes coming up. So I just I just did the um, the white wine class, which was uh, it was called uh, interesting interesting whites from around the world. Pretty interesting class. I really liked it. There was, there's another one coming up in July that is uh, tasting wine um, to really learn about. What it says so her. I don't know what this class is. This might be an in person class. Now that I look at it. Uh, let me let me go let me go to the other one. So, uh, the next one is budget friendly uh, budget friendly French wines. Oh, yeah. So forty two dollars, not forty five. Forty two dollars for two people. Oh, that's not um, bad at all. Yeah. So, anyways, I really encourage people to go check that out. Uh, if you're not interested in that, um, I do want to promote Last Bottle Wines, which is our sponsor. Yeah. So if you go over to our website, tastinganarchy.com, you will see that there is a link to sign up for Last Bottle Wines. If you buy a wine from there, we do get a kickback. And as Mason and I were talking about, we, we did spend a lot of time kind of promoting this, is that they they curate, <laughs> they curate the wines. The wines are all good. I get a ton of wines from there. If you buy a wine from there and immediately email me your receipt, I will go and buy that same wine and review it. So... Keep that in mind <laughs> if you want that. There, there is a limit to the price. There, well, there is. Yeah, there is a limit I, to the price. We won't say the limit on out loud. So use your imagination. Yeah. But you know, they suddenly have a thousand dollar bottle of wine for five hundred bucks. No, it's not going to be that. Way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, that is really it for those links. But Mason, you are really good at doing the normal, the normal promo. Yes. Promo. So, so go ahead and go. We do have. That. Uh, 
we have quite a few new friends that we always have to mention now because they're awesome people. So I'm going to start off with the people that I probably spent the most time with, Peaceful Treason, Jared and Will. Um, Peaceful Treason, they're a wonderful podcast. Uh, they're guys out of Missouri, which... You know, if you listen to Jason Stapleton, screw him. Missouri <laughs> sounds pretty cool. No, <laughs> some of them are trying to get out of Missouri. Yeah. Uh, wonderful guys. Friends Against Government. Carr, the other co-host of Tasting Anarchy. Not Tasting Anarchy because he's obviously not a co-host of us. Right. If anyone else, that'd be Jackson. Uh, but of Childerberg. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Bird. And then Sounds Like Liberty. Um, you know, we both have been on that. I haven't been on uh, Friends Against Government, but they have a weird recording schedule, just like yeah. we have a weird recording schedule. So no no knock on them in that regard. Um, normally, if you want to just go to tastinganarchy.com, leave comments, reviews there. We'd love to see them. Tasting Anarchy on YouTube. Tasting Anarchy uh, not on Reddit. Childerberg on Reddit. Childerberg.com uh, is where our wonderful, in the wonderful and interesting Republic of Texas, because I refuse to call it a state at this point. <laughs> Right. Uh, as our annual event, we have Dose coming up in uh, Jacob. I this is what I meant to look at yeah. before. Uh, May. I meant to yeah. say May. No, no, no. Oh, okay. How many weeks out it was? That's oh my gosh! To, yeah. That's how, what I was how many do. weeks? I don't know. A lot of weeks. It's. Uh, I'll call it forty-eight. Yeah. So uh, eleven months. Two weeks early. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, two weeks early from the other one, so I'm just going to then back off two weeks because I am terrible at math despite having an <laughs> economics and accounting degree. Uh, go Old Dominion. No, uh, so yeah, uh, we are going to be, for all of those who missed it, all of those who missed it because our inability to understand how to plan things, and this is not a knock on Jacob because this is totally Carr and Mai's fault as well uh, for not trying to put more into this. Um, we'll be doing additional shirts. We'll be doing different shirts. We'll be doing things like that. We'll be raising money to help this event happen. Yeah. So if you can't attend, you want to attend, there will be some way you contribute, contribute, do any of that stuff. Link, post, I mean, you know. Yeah, whatever. just, just share it. <laughs> so here's, here's kind of the breakdown or whatever is – all of this is out of my pocket, which I am totally fine with because Childerberg one end up being rough, roughly revenue one neutral. One of the best things we've done. Exactly. One of the best things we do and also revenue neutral for me. Plus, mm -hmm. we were able to raise $300 for freeross.org, which is a very yes. important cause to both Mason and me and the libertarian community at large. Um, and it should. And if it's not for you, exactly. you have a problem. Yeah. Well, you should, you should look it up and see. What happened? So recently, Michael Malice had Lynn Ulbricht, Ross's. I think bomb. that is the one of, if not the best episodes yeah. about what happened yeah. to this guy. It outside is. Of, I think there's a Tom. Tom's got a really good episode. That's on right, it, he does. But yeah. I don't. I think that is so far ago. Mm -hmm. It's no longer on the iTunes. Feed, yeah. If you think which, if you think you live in a free country, and most of us are very very privileged, you know, to use a left wing I guess term, but. Most of us are very privileged to not have had in this type of run-in with the government. Ross Ulbricht created a website. He was sentenced to two life sentences plus 40 years for making for not yeah for making a website. The knee. Yeah, exactly. For basically, yeah, for no, not no, just yeah it's not bending the knee. That's the only the only reason. Yeah. The person was like, I don't think he, the judge who shouldn't have been a judge, and I have some ideas about things that we can you know yeah mean letters that aren't threatening. Um, I will possibly be having some posts on Tasting Anarchy about sure. you know campaigns that I'm going to be starting right uh, in that regard in because 
I think there are two there are two people in the the liberty movement that you know we have a huge amount of respect for. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like you know Tom Bo- Tom Woods, Bob Murphy, um, Walter Block, yeah, Walter Ron Block, Paul, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. you take all those people, yeah. But Scott Horton on the anti-war front, yeah, like just beyond reason anti-war just you know nails it every time mm-hmm. and then lynn Ulbrook on behalf of her son ross yeah like you know you have the anti-war front and then if you can't get behind anti-war for some reason maybe your dad's in the military and you know maybe you were in the you know you know like jocko wilnick you know somebody yeah. who's, who should be anti-war but isn't but you know i can understand that um you know but like somebody like you know where like lynn Ulbrook, it's like no the government systematically lied in every aspect of that case. Right. And all she wants is her son back. Right. She, you know, whatever the conditions they want to put on it, she's willing to put up with. Mm-hmm. She's willing to sacrifice the rest of her life to have her son back. Well, and, and the what's, fact that our government goes, no, you can't have him. Yeah. It, it, and, is insane. and in addition to that is one of the things she shared on Malice was that she was like, even when she gets her son back, there's still people who have been railroaded like this in prison and she can't yeah. give up. Like it, no, it's like, this is her life now is that she yeah. didn't realize it before. And I understand, like I didn't realize it before I started hearing her stuff is that I, I knew it, but I didn't yeah, want to know exactly. It. Like there are people who are like, this is a guy who basically exactly what Mason said. He wouldn't bend the knee. He created a website and through massive corruption, was given two life sentences plus 40 years. Yeah, and, and from a judge who just decided that, no, 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 I, I'm going to take this on onto myself. Like, right. The, like, and is retired and, now, by the way. Yeah. With full, and, with full, you know, all, yeah, all the that, stuff. That's the, that's the thing that kills me about this the most is like, Lynn has to ask the people who cheated. Right. And did all of these bad things for her son back. Right. And, you know, like... Cody Wilson right. is the th- is the third on this triumvirate. Like I, I'm honestly, and you know, this is kind of conspiratorial. Like, can we get somebody like you know Maddie Kay and like some other guys yeah. to like just watch out for Scott? Right. Like, oh yeah, I mean, for like, sure. If it talk about flying in the eye of the state, like you got Cody Wilson, you got Lynn, uh, you know Ross Ulbrick, and then like what are they trying to do to Scott? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. It's. It's. It's bonkers. Um, but I think that's a that's a good place to stop. So, anyways, go over. Yeah. You can go to freeross.org. You can also, if you guys are interested in coming to Childerberg, it does help financially for you to go over to childerberg.com and contribute because uh, it's expensive. And I put out the money and in the expectation that I will make it back through donations. So mm-hmm. uh, I I have a, a site secured. So let me give you guys the information for the site. So it is going to be at Emma Long. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. Okay. They got to go to Childerberg.com to figure that out. Well, okay. Go to Childerberg. Yeah, to th- there you go. anything there you that go. isn't on the website? All right. So Childerberg.com. Sign up for the newsletter. It will be announced in the newsletter in the next mm-hmm. – uh, this is the 16th, so it will be in the next 15 days. Yeah. I will be putting out another newsletter announcing it. You can also follow Childerberg on Twitter or Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. I retweet both both on both accounts. So so uh, <laughs> exactly. So if you guys want to know more about Childerberg Dose, follow Childerberg. Yeah, Dose Vidania, <laughs> exactly. You can follow both. Which is the Tasting Anarchy only tagline for that. <laughs> right. There's a, there's I've a come yeah. up with two. Still not a gold and yeah. Dose Vidanias. And I'm letting still not a gold. <laughs> 
be for anyone right. else. Dos Fanonias is ours. I've, I've got it. I've got another one, Mason. And oh. people who are not uh, libertarian political followers won't get it as much. But the the tagline for the next one will be LNC, literally not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> so that I think that'll be a good one to do. All right, so I think that's a good place oh, man, to stop. So many old shirts. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's it's gonna be so much fun. All right. Uh, anything else, Mason? Stay free. Stay free. Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slaw. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peterstown, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Cherry, cherry. Blackberry. Port and sherry. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willie's Den. He wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the other day. Wine. Wine for the other day. Wine. Wine for the other day. Wine. Pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel. Have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Somebody's fifth and somebody's poor. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine for the other day. Wine. Wine for the other day. Wine. Wine for the other day.